2: so what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play Stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
3: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi
4: and Patrick Maher on VCN. Yeah! Welcome be back in. It's another hour of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM across the country on a Saturday morning. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher this weekend from our Circus Sportsbook studios in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi back with us from New Jersey. And uh, we're, we're getting into your critical offseason teams now, Michael. Now, to preface this, yeah. every, it, look, every team has critical offseason decisions ahead of them. But look, some teams are higher on the pecking order than others. And uh, we'll have four teams that we'll talk about throughout the next two days this weekend. Uh, but let's go to your two of your top teams here uh, Washington and Detroit. So we'll we'll talk about one each of the next couple of segments here. Uh, for your your view on Washington, what is it about the Commanders that is so so critical for their offseason?
5: Well, I mean, look, the Commanders have got to get it turned around. There's a lot of pressure on them. I mean, there's conversations today about the the sale of the team. Jeff Bezos may or may not be involved. A lot of people are putting bids in. There's a magic number according to the Washington Post that owner Dan Snyder wants to reach at $6 billion, although according to the reports, the bid has only gotten to $5.5 billion. So there's some room there, but it's hard to really focus. You know changes are coming in D.C. eventually, But for them, they've got to put a better product on the field. And it starts really with their offensive line. I mean, they've got to figure out a way to protect the quarterback, whomever the quarterback is. And Sam Al certainly has ability. But they've got to find a way to get better in their offensive line. And they've got to find a way to handle – that. I mean, it's not easy to do. You know, you, they trade for Leno, not a very good left tackle. Andrew Norwell, they sign a free agency. They sign Trey Turner. They've tried to piece it together with almost like duct tape, and it's not working. So they need to change that because – if they're going to have any success with a rookie quarterback, Sam Howell being a guy who hasn't played, mm-hmm. it's going to start and end with the offensive line, particularly considering you got to play against Philadelphia who has a really good defensive line, even though they're going to lose some players. So the critical, to me, the critical moment here is they've got to improve their offensive line if they're going to have any chance to move forward. And I think that's the key. You know, they want to sign Payne back. They have to redo some deals. That's easy to do because they're going to go with a young quarterback. They'll get rid of Wentz. Then they got to find a backup quarterback. So if they bring Payne back, that gives them a chance to kind of start to move forward. They'll take they'll take Wentz's money, put it to Payne, and then they have to find offensive linemen.
4: And as you look at the in the rearview mirror at what happened for the Commanders in 2022, an 8-8 eight, eight and one team who at, at the same time overperformed yet also under as weird as that is to say, they both un, overperformed and underperformed, where they were a a big bet to the under by respected betters in the offseason. Their win total went from eight and a half all the way down to seven and a half. They end up right in the middle there at 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. and the, the peak of the season for Washington was beating Philadelphia on a Monday night as a double-digit underdog, winning the game outright, where they controlled the line of scrimmage, controlled the clock, controlled time of possession. And you, you just wonder now going forward, something that was unable to be duplicated by that team a season ago, uh, how can they do it more often in the year 2023 that starts with a new offensive coordinator as well. Eric Bieniemy comes in, just hired this week from the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're thinking about a team that can maybe replicate some of the brief successes we saw in flashes last year, Michael, how do you see this working out for Bienemy now, taking over an offense that has a lot of missing holes and pieces that have, have to be filled?
5: Well, he's got to find a way to get Hal to adjust to a rhythm passing game, right? And so that's what they run, the West Coast offense. Some of the RPO stuff he did at North Carolina, he certainly can do with the Washington Commanders. But look, they've got to throw the ball more effectively. They had 10 games last year, Ben where they didn't throw for over 200 yards in the game. you know, and, and that's problematic because, as I've often said, good teams can throw when they everybody knows they have to throw. Good teams can run when everybody knows they have. They haven't been able to do that. And I think that's really the issue. The times where they've thrown the ball have been times where they got behind in games. The Tennessee game, they threw. The Tennessee game was one of those games where I don't know how Tennessee won, but Tennessee won the game. They only scored 17 points. They, only turn, they, didn't, they turned the ball over one time. They moved the ball up and down the field. They couldn't score. The Lions game, that was another one. They threw the ball all over the lot. They lose, by, they lose by nine points in that game. So whenever they had to really throw the football, only the Jacksonville game in the opener was the time where they actually threw the football effectively and won the game. You know, But they turned that ball over three times. They were fortunate to win that. Jacksonville was in that, oh, we're going to go for it on every fourth down mode, and they couldn't do it. So to me, I think that's where it starts. You've got to be able to throw the football effectively. You just can't rely on your defense to play well. And then they've got to get better situationally. I mean, last year they were atrocious in the red zone. They were the 25th ranked team in the red zone. They were 25th on third down. They couldn't convert fourth downs. So if they don't get better at situational football, it's going to be really hard. And we're talking
4: Michael's most critical offseason NFL teams, Washington Commanders, at the top of the list. And there were some good quotes coming out of out of D.C. with Eric Bieniemy introduced, had his introductory press conference as the new offensive coordinator. But you wonder how does he view a, a potential quarterback to inherit in Sam Howell, who is at least for now the projected opening day starter? Here's what Bieniemy had to say when introduced this week.
6: Well, I can only base my evaluation on what he did coming out of college. Now, I did have an opportunity to see him playing that last game against the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. The, the kid is a dynamic football player. I, he can make throws from different platforms. You can tell he has a baseball background. Uh, the thing that got me fired up was when he ran in on that touchdown, he flexed, so that was some good stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and on top of it, I got a little inside uh, information with uh, some people that coach and work at the University of North Carolina, and everybody has high reviews on him. So I'm fired up about the opportunity opportunity to get to know the kid but more than anything you always want to create competition okay you want to make sure that we're getting the very best out of the people who are who are in that particular position
4: and look it, it's always nice he, Sam Howell comes into a meaningless game at the end of the year has a nice touchdown flexes yeah, yeah it's, it's a great moment but realistically what do you expect about about Howell coming in and, and what should be the priority as far as the development goes
5: well, I mean, look, he's going to have to learn a new system. I mean, he's been an RPO guy. He's going to have to learn the West Coast. I mean, look, he threw the ball 19 times in the last game of the year. I mean, you know, he completed 11 of them. You know, so it isn't like he lit the world on fire. I mean, it's a long way to go. And as you said, I mean, it's, it was one of those games where it was meaningless, so it didn't really matter. But cre- take credit for what he did. He threw a, threw a touchdown pass. You know, to me, I think ultimately – what they have to do is kind of build this thing around him slowly. I think the kid, when you watched him play in college, you know, he made a lot of throws. I mean, one of the things you liked about Brock Purdy is the fact that he started so many games. This kid at North Carolina started 36 games. So you've, he's got to, he brings some experience to the position. So the game's not going to be foreign to him. I mean, the guy threw over, you know, he had almost uh, 1,100 passing attempts in college. So he's made a lot of throws and he's been able to understand it. So that that's a really good background. He's inexperienced in pro football. He's not inexperienced at in playing the position, which gives Bienemy a chance. Mm-hmm. I think Bienname's right. I think you always need to bring in competition because if he has one of those moments where he struggles, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring somebody else in or at least you're gonna have to give somebody to teach him how to be a pro. I would suspect they're gonna sign a veteran guy, whether they sign Taylor Heineke back or not. I don't know. I think that's certainly different. But the reason why I think Washington is in such a critical place, because of the sale of the team, it's such a historic franchise. It's an incredible franchise. And it should be one of the best franchises in all of football. It's not, right? And Ron Rivera is not even on the coaching hot seat. I mean, people are talking about Belichick getting fired after not making the playoffs. And Ron Rivera hasn't made the playoffs. He's made it three times in his career. He's had a winning record in five years. Nobody mentions he should be on the hot seat. I mean, it's hilarious, right? But if they don't do it now, when are they going to do it? I mean, the owner, if the owner, Dan Snyder, was the old Dan Snyder, uh, Rivera wouldn't be back for his third year. But he's got other mm-hmm. problems. And so, to me, I think it's now or never for them. And if they don't win... You know, I think ultimately the team's going to be – once the team's sold, if it's sold before the start of the season, then all we're going to talk about is what changes are coming for Washington, which could put them in a really hard spot. They're going to have to deal with outside distractions for the entire year. That's what makes this year so interesting.
4: Yeah, but, Michael, they made the, they made the postseason in 2020. They made it – in oh, yeah, but they were 7-9 and, and won the NFC East <laughs> that year. So it doesn't, I didn't even yeah. count that. I, that does it really even count. And they're 22-27-1. The, the, big, the thing that stands out the most when you look at the numbers on Washington, since Ron Rivera came in, the defense is ninth in the league, ninth overall in overall EPA per play defense, and yet they're 22-27-1. The, the teams around them are all teams that have either won Super Bowls in that stretch or have been deep in, in the postseason run. You, you, you probably look at that list and you go New England, whose seventh is the only other team that has struggled who's gone 25-25, and 25, but they at least made the postseason legitimately as an over 500 team. So it all goes back to the offense and, and that's where you get the B enemy hire and you wonder, all right, how is this all going to play out now uh, into 2023 where defense is still looks good. And I don't know, Michael, I'd imagine you think the the personnel still looks really, really solid on that defensive end.
5: Well, I mean, they do have good players on defense. There's no front. It starts with the front. They haven't even gotten chase young to play at a high level yet. You know, he hasn't really played to the level of being the second overall pick in the draft and, you know, he's coming off the knee injury, but I think more than anything, they got to manage situations better. Their kicking situation has never been handled all the time. You know, they've letting games get away from them. You know, they've had opportunities to win games. They've kind of let it get away from them. I think, to me, when you watch them, you know, the other thing in your numbers that you give, I mean, the, one, we, one thing we know, the NFC East isn't any good. I mean, so they haven't really had a moment. They haven't the level of play in the East. I mean, Philly was good this year. Then they kind of had a resurgence last year. They made the playoffs, went to Tampa, lost. The year before that, they didn't. So it hasn't been like the East has been a dominant. I mean, there is a moment here, if you're Washington, you got to take this over.
4: And that's totally fair to say, because if I I look at that same list again, from 2020 on defensive numbers, three of the four NFC East teams are in the top 10. And it's not like, you know, you like go. as, as, as good as, as a, a season of a Dallas defense as we saw in 2021, as good as Philadelphia's was this past year, it's not like for three years you look at those groups and say, oh, elite units, but Dallas is sixth, Washington is ninth, and, uh, and Philadelphia is tenth. Uh, who ultimately? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. uh,
5: that that's why the schedule, you have to be really careful. The schedule is about what quarterbacks do you play. Yeah, that's no the question. schedule. Like, who do we play? And if you're in the NFC, you don't play a lot of great quarterbacks. You really don't. I mean, that's right now is why, to me, it, at the NFC, it's really, if you're in the AFC, you, every week could be a hard quarterback. The NFC doesn't have that right now.
4: Right, and it, it leads into another uh, another critical offseason team we're going to talk about next in the Detroit Lions, but that was team number one, the Washington Commanders, so a whole lot of moving parts there in the nation's capital. Will it even be Sam Howell, who ends up starting in week one? We'll talk Detroit Lions next. They're going to be a hot team to bet under the offseason. We'll see if it's warranted to talk about that with Michael next.
3: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones,
6: Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs?
5: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on vSen, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now,
4: once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted on specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology, and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be twenty-one or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 2-2-4,700. As we continue on hour number two of the Lombardi line, back with Michael. I'm Ben in for Patrick. Today, we'll have Thomas Gable from the Borgata. He joins us uh, from the, the set of the Borgata there. TG stops by in about 15 minutes for his college basketball plays of the of the day today. Big college hoops card uh, as uh, we get closer and closer to March Madness. Uh, but at least for now, Michael, we're, we're talking the teams that make the top of your list, most critical off seasons for these NFL uh, teams. And we'll go to the Detroit Lions, who... What do you think? Is there any team that's going to get more, uh, more buzz as that classic great finishing team? Can it carry over into next year where they're getting a lot, of, a lot of support in the betting market? They're, I mean, 25, 28 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, Michael, in a lot of, a lot of regards. Who would have thought that well, after the start the Lions got off to this past season?
5: Well, I mean, look, I think what happens now is there's, a, you know, the hardest thing to deal with is expectation. Right. And so now there's there's this expectation that the Lions are going to continue from the year that they had that, you know, when they come back in the Green Bay game and they beat Green Bay and from that point on, they only lose two games for the remainder of the season. They win eight. They go eight and two over the remaining 10 games, you know. Really, let one – I mean, Carolina, I mean, that was one they're going to regret forever. Carolina just ran the ball down their throat. You know, Carolina ran for 320 yards of the game. They played nickel the whole game to Carolina. You know, not that that was a problem, but it might have been a little bit of a problem lining up in nickel against a power run game. But that's beside the point. But we got expectations here. So when you get these expectations, I mean, people are really going to, you know – again, feel like, okay, where are we going? How are we going to get there? And for, the hardest thing to do in sports is to go from good to great. It's really hard to break that threshold. It takes some uniqueness, right? It's a front-end loaded – it's a back-end loaded system. So what happens is when you win, you get lower draft picks. It's harder to find talent. I mean, it's really hard to find players. It's, it's not the NBA – But it's a little bit harder to find the elite player. I mean, one of the benefits of San Francisco's ability to be a top-four team is that when they bottomed out, they bottomed out. They bottomed out to get Nick Bosa. They bottomed out to get Buckner at seven. You know, they bottomed out to draft Solomon Thomas at two. They bottomed out, right? McGinchy, they get him at nine. They're at a top – when they bottomed out, they're in a top ten – when, when you win and you don't bottom out, and you keep winning, it's hard to maintain that. Now, Detroit's fortunate because they have the sixth pick overall in the draft. So this is the most critical component of their team. And they've got to find a way to strengthen the speed of their defense. They've got to get better on defense. I give Aaron Glenn credit. He altered their defense from the early part of the season, went to this nickel, and they utilized that to their full advantage. But they're going to have to try to improve their defense. And a lot of it starts with... Elliot, their safety, he missed the Carolina game. So that player, he's going to be a free agent. they got to get him back because he's part of what they do. They lined him up. When he was out of the game, that's when Carolina ran the football. They want to play that nickel all the time, and Elliott's a key player. So they got to sign Elliott. Kaminsky was their third leading sacker of the season last year. He's going to be a free agent. And then Williams, the running back, he's the perfect complement with Swift. So they've got those three players to sign. And the leading tackle, Alex Alazoni. I mean, he's a free agent as well. So they've got to sign some of their guys. They're going to want to get paid because they want a little bit. But then they've got to add to the defense.
4: A lot going on then for a Detroit team that is – and it fits that perfect mold, right? Very, very good. Finish to a season. Also get a top-six draft pick, even with expectations as, as a result of the Jared Goff-Matthew uh, Stafford trade, with that, that being the Rams pick after L.A. went 5-12 and 12 this past year. That, that's where you look at the defensive end, though, and you say, at least defensive side of the ball for the Lions, and you go, all right, you have Aaron Glenn signing a multi-year extension as a defensive coordinator. On the one hand, it's great. You get continuity amidst an offseason where half of the offensive coordinators are now new in the league. Ben Johnson passed up a couple of at least interviewing opportunities for head coaching spots to come back to Detroit, so that's great. But since Dan Campbell's been head coach, it's the worst defense in the league by a pretty wide margin. They were, you, you talk about the adjustments made by Aaron Glenn at the back end of the season they were 22nd the final 5 weeks of the year so obviously better than where they were at but it's not like they were you know top 5 so what what has to right. happen scheme wise now that they have at least figured out that nickel package that at the very minimum is is better than the alternative where they were at before
5: well, it gave them more speed on the field. They went nickel to try to, to deal with the six-back attack, Chicago, and some of the stuff that they did. I mean, but situational football is still a problem for them. You know, they're 30th on third down, they're 27th in the red zone. They can't stop red zone defense. So, you know, I mean, I think when you break those areas down, it becomes problematic for them. So they've got to get better there. They've got to get faster and younger. And Aaron Glenn's got to do a good job of kind of keeping it so, letting the young players play. You know, allowing the young players to get on the field and handle that. And and they got their defensive line better. I got to get – they did. You mm-hmm. know, they drafted – Hutchinson, he leads the team in sacks. You know, he did a good job for them. This Houston kid they drafted, he did a great job. He was second in the team in sacks. So they're able to start getting more pressure on the quarterback. Like I mentioned, Kaminsky had 12 quarterback hits and four sacks. He's going to be a free agent. He's only 27 years old. How much will somebody pay him? You just got to find out. They got to continue to get faster on defense. But they can do that, right, because they're going to have continuity with their offense, you know Williams the running back I, if i asked you how many touchdowns did Williams rush for Ben do you know
4: oh, i mean you would you would think based on the you know i would i mean you would think like all around 10 because of how you know how how good the usage should have been wow. but i mean end of the day like i don't think they got there i mean the guy yeah. the guy
5: put the ball in the end zone the guy ran the ball in the end zone 17 times that's, that's i amazing. mean that that's some remarkable right Especially when you, yeah, I mean, you would have just assumed,
4: uh, right? You, you would assume, all right, now red zone. Would they, have, would they have continued to use him you know, based on the utilization? And they, yeah, they continued to give him the ball. That, uh, yeah, it's even for me. what you know, it's amazing that it went that that high for him.
5: I mean so what I'm saying is you got to you know that back is important. I love Swift. Swift is the perfect he's the he's the ex, ex, luxury item, right? He gives you a lot of element and he becomes a better player when you have Williams. See, so you, you have to have the kind of the two-back prong and they have that. And you got to and look, let's face it. You got to keep Goff healthy and you got to keep him upright because if Goff gets hit early and you take away the play action stuff from him, he's not the same player. Mm -hmm. Do they re-sign D.J. Chark? You know, he missed a bunch of games this year, but when he did play, he averaged over 16 yards a catch, so that was really good. There's a lot of things, but more than anything, is they have to forget that they won eight games over the final 10. They got to start from ground zero and act like we're hungry. Like, they didn't do anything. They didn't win anything. They didn't even make the playoffs. They should have. They probably would have been a better playoff team than maybe Seattle. I don't know. Seattle gave San Francisco at least two quarters of play. But I think, to me, the hard part for Dan Campbell is, is can he create that sense of urgency after they've had a little bit of success since they've never had any?
4: Since you, Yeah, you can't, you can't just go one and six again and expect, all right, yeah, here's, this is our time now. This is when we turn it on. That, that's just not how it works in, in the NFL. Detroit still misses the playoffs despite the great finish. It, it also leads into the Jared Goff question. Now assumed as the, the franchise guy, it worked out. Really nice year for him. Top 10 numbers on, on advanced stats for Goff in 2022. But uh, where do you see his progression going from here?
5: I think Goff hasn't changed. I think Goff has always been a quarterback you have to manage, right? You know, think about this. He had, one, he had three game winning fourth quarter comebacks and three game winning drives last year. So he was able to bring the team back. He played much better in cold weather than he ever has You know, there's always been a golf table for two at the heaters, but he avoided that. And he played well. And I think ultimately, and he cut down his mistakes, only threw seven interceptions all year. I mean, lowest interception percentage in the league. So he did a great job in that area. So to me, it's we got to manage, continue to manage golf the way we did. Keep running this offense that we ran that helps golf. Because golf can become a better player. But we can't ask Goff to carry the team. we got to help the team with Goff. And I think that's really ultimately what we do. And you got to pray that when Nick gets in the third down, and they're only 14th in the league in third down conversions. When the game speeds up, can, can Goff make enough fast plays? And I think ultimately, the, the better the team around Goff is, the better he becomes. And I think that's ultimately what you have to do. Look, I say you have to manage Goff. I don't mean that as a negative. Every quarterback in the league, with the exception right, of, of two course. or three, got to manage.
4: But the, the number that, that jumps out the most on that, it's the fact that Goff, in, the, in completion percentage over expectation, which is always a measure of you know, how you're completing passes relative to the scheme set up, he was seventh worst among the qualified starters in the league. Yet the rest of his numbers are great. Top ten. Just yeah. goes to show, I mean, he's, like, he's not making any of these brilliant throws. It's all about the scheme that is setting up. It's not meant to be a huge critique of Goff. He was very solid and steady when he had the windows to throw. It's just you aren't going to expect him to pull out these magical throws like a, you know, a, a Patrick Mahomes is able to do.
5: Right. I, I think to me, that's the key, right? Is if he could just get him to make the easy throws, then life's a lot easier. You know, and so they got to keep working on those areas. That's what bothers you about golf. When golf gets pressure and he has to move and reload, that's when it becomes real issue. That's why that offensive line is so critical.
4: Yep, at Detroit twenty-eight to one in a lot of shops to win these. To win the that is the Super Bowl. Seems a little
5: rich. Twenty-eight. I'm, in, to, that's I'm a not ready heavy. to go there.
4: Uh, and, and I'm in for Patrick, who I know is is the Lions guy. I remember last year he was saying Michael. No.
5: No, no, come on. This is ridiculous. Well, he's, I'm like sure. me with the, he's like me with the 76ers. <laughs> he just sees he's had too many negative years. Basically. basically. Hey, I will
4: even say on behalf of Patrick, I kind of agree with him. That's a little rich on that 28 to one. All right. Thomas Gable from the Borgata studio. He stops by right after this.
7: You're listening to the Lombardi
0: line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher
4: v is excited to announce our new weekend lineup of live shows to cover the dynamic sports betting markets like no one else can. With some fresh concepts and pairings as we head into a new season of sports, v will continue to deliver all the news, analysis, and insights you've come to expect from your favorite team of sports betting experts. Check out the new lineup starting on Monday. We'll still be here, though. Lombardi line in the uh, in the normal time slot at uh, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on the weekend's. Uh, Michael, and you're going to be joined by Stormy Bonnetoni and Femi Abebafe uh, starting starting yep. on Monday there with the lineup. So really excited for that. I will be on uh, Live Bet Saturday slash Live Bet Sunday. It's a very, I know that's a very Pat, uh, new wave. Uh, and Patrick
5: new wave, is moving to sharp money. He's going to handle that. We'll yeah. get that going. So it'll be exciting. Yeah. We're looking forward I, to I it. It's
4: a very cutting edge name there. Live bet Saturday. But you know what? We're betting live sports on a Saturday. That, it's kind of self-explanatory. Hey. So I'll be doing that show uh, with, with Danny Burke, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Saturdays and, and then live bet Sunday. Same, uh, same concept there. And I'll, I'll be on with uh, Will Hill today. So, uh, Michael, I don't know. You, you, you let me know what, uh, what games you want me to sweat for. We'll, you. we'll, uh, we'll do that for I mean, look, I mean,
5: there's, when you have Will Hill on, you can, you, can talk, you can talk how to grow grass. You can talk Lakers. <laughs> you can talk Vikings. You could talk television production. I mean, I don't know if there's a subject you can't cover that he's not a complete expert on, or at least he thinks he's a complete expert on. It's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, he could cover <laughs> it all. He can cover it all. I mean, I'm sure – you know, plus baseball – you know, he's got it all down. So good luck to you. You better make sure that you're a nope. polymath or else you're never going to be able to handle it.
4: Right. Well, that's why it's a three-hour show. You know, we, we got, you know, one yeah. segment on all the different things Will will talk about. So that, that that follows us today here on the Lombardi Line. Right now, though, we go out to the East Coast and the Borgata where our friend Thomas Gable is standing by, racing sportsbook director over there. TG, very, very big college basketball guard, card uh, coming up starting here in uh, in about a half hour. How's uh, How's the handle looking as we get ready for another big day in the hoops?
7: It should be, it should be a really good day. And, and Michael, just a real quick uh, shout out to Ben here last night. I'm leaving work. I get in my car and I put on v and he, Ben is actually doing prime time with Sean King last night. And they're going over their plays. They're going over their plays. And he, what was Ben's play that I learned that I heard last night? Seattle, Seattle college basketball. Uh, I love it point, And he didn't, he didn't understand the line move there, and I agreed with him because I'm like, man, this is great that I'm I'm listening to this, and and, and they were an outright winner.
4: There we go. So I, I appreciate girl. the shout out, uh, Tavis. Yes, that was you know the whack is Michael. Teams one through six, you basically just flip a coin. I mean that league is as tight as it gets, and the Seattle Redhawks beat Grand Canyon outright as a six and a half point dog. So thank you for, uh, for backing me Thomas that, uh, that that felt good last night to have a little Friday night uh, winner. We're trying to give out more winners here today. So uh, as we look at first, just the the three top games to break down here, Arkansas, Alabama looks like Arkansas, pretty, uh, a pretty sizable uh, bet team here, both the public respected money from nine point underdog now down to eight and a half. How do you imagine this plays out with Arkansas going to Tuscaloosa today?
7: Yeah. Um, obviously it's been quite the tumultuous week there for Alabama for all the wrong reasons. And I, I think you have to be a little naive to think all of this stuff surrounding the program won't have an effect on them. And saw them need overtime to beat South Carolina the other night. Now, Brandon Miller, who's at the center of all this, had a tremendous game, but the rest of the team did not look like themselves. And now being at home will certainly help here today. But here comes this Arkansas team that's trending up in a very positive direction They've been playing some great basketball since the beginning of January. And Arkansas, this team will turn you over. They're a top 25 team enforcing turnovers. And this has been a weakness for Alabama. as They get sloppy at times, case in point. They had some careless turnovers in that South Carolina game. And Arkansas, they they love to jump in the passing lanes and get out in transition. And uh, really, um, I think that's the key to beating Arkansas is you don't let them play downhill and teams have been showing them a lot of zones lately. Uh, Arkansas just does not shoot well from the outside. They're really poor from three. So we'll see if Alabama gets away from man-to-man, which they like to play, and switch up to what has had success against Arkansas, and that's zone defense. So don't forget, though, Nick Smith Jr. back and healthy for Arkansas, which is a major piece that was missing for, for Coach Musk there. And he had a tremendous recruiting class coming into the season. And Nick Smith there certainly is the, the key piece. Um, I expect this Arkansas team to, to give some people some trouble come tournament time. But you, you like you said, you have seen the move here. Alabama currently uh, laying eight and a half at home. Uh, total right now sitting uh, has, has actually uh, ticked up. It's uh, 153 and a half uh, right now. So uh, you are seeing some... Uh, 154 is out there, but uh, it opened at 151, so the t- total has picked uh, up.
5: And based on the way Nick Smith played against Georgia, don't you think this Arkansas team might be just a little undervalued right now, TG?
7: Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely going to be, obviously, uh, a, a major uh, draft pick, and um, I, I think with him coming back now and being healthy, you know, he had to kind of get his legs under him, um, but as you said, he had a tremendous game against Georgia. I think, yeah, when, when he is healthy and in this lineup, um, he definitely is going to make a huge difference for this Arkansas team. That's why I think they can they can be a little scary here uh, come tournament time for their opponents.
4: It's, that's a team, when they've been on, they have, like you say, they have looked really, really scary. There have been some of those head-scratching type performances, but now with Smith back in the fold, have to like where Arkansas is at. Another a huge marquee matchup. It's late tonight, Thomas, but the rematch there in the WCC, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Gales got the Zags in game number one in Moraga. Now they go up to Spokane. How have you seen the line movement play out here?
7: Yeah, so right now, uh, the Zags laying five and a half uh, total, mostly seen around 141 out there. And St. Mary's won that first matchup between these two in overtime February 4th. But that was a game where Gonzaga really kind of blew the lead in the last few minutes and, uh, and since that loss, this Gonzaga team has been on a real tear, averaging 98 points per game, over 1.2 points per possession. Uh, this game will decide the WCC regular season title. Uh, I, I think this game really comes down to how you view St. Mary's defense. Uh, they're certainly one of the best defensive teams in the country, no doubt. Um, and they'll look to be able to slow this Gonzaga offense down. But St. Mary's has been struggling on offense. you know, Unless it's Aidan Mahaney carrying them, St. Mary's is going to look to slow this game down uh, pace-wise, but I think it's just a great situational spot here for the Zags, uh, which is why you've seen this line move towards the Zags. Um, Gonzaga, if they get out to an early lead and can control the tempo and play with pace, uh, watch out. This could be a very tough night for the Gales as their offense is just not built to come back in those types of situations.
5: Yeah, I mean, when you saw them when they had that three-game losing streak back in early November, you know, when they were going through that, and then they've kind of fought their way through it, but then Loyola Marymount got them in overtime, TG, and I think a lot of that uh, coming off the overtime win against Gonzaga, a lot of that is just sometimes they just their offense just doesn't click.
7: Yeah, I, I mean, they they certainly have turned it on uh, offensively. Really, uh, the last few games, um, you know it. I hate to say but when they when they lost that game against St. Mary's a lot of people kind of counted them out this year and they said well this is not this is not the Zags of old um they're going to kind of be an also ran this year but I think the way that they've looked uh recently uh they have to be right there in the um in the conversation and the other thing is you their pricing so you can get a pretty decent price uh in their future odds right now and uh we've actually been uh taking some action on Gonzaga in the future market uh, don't have liability on them to win the title, but uh, they they've been getting some, some play recently.
4: Very interesting. How that will all play out for, uh, for the Gonzaga Bulldogs here down the stretch. Thomas Gable again, joining us from the Borgata in Atlantic city race and sports director There uh, want to make sure we get your, uh, your top play here on the card for Saturday before we let you go. TG looking at the ACC Miami red hot seven straight wins, Can they make it eight? Well, they're big favorites today. Uh, How do you assess the matchup against a a down year for the Florida State Seminoles?
7: Yeah, so um, this is really just a a play against Florida State more than anything. As you said, Miami's been very hot um, and and tremendous, tremendous offensive team. um, And Florida State, where is their weakness? Their weakness is really uh, on the defensive side (laughs) of the ball. Uh, They do not defend the three well at all. and this has just been a uh, a very down year for uh, for Florida State. Only six and eleven in conference. Yes, it's a big number here with Miami. But uh, I actually make this game uh, seventeen. So I'm going to uh, lay the points here with Miami.
4: Laying the points. Did you know that Florida State, the worst the worst Power Five team when it comes to defending three point shooters,
5: and they're oh, yeah. 323rd in oh. the country. I mean, that's hard to do. Yeah. Well, they're not covering them. It's not hard to do when you don't cover them. Well, I mean, you know, just don't go out there and They don't cover them. I mean, it's yeah, easy when not general to do Leonard it. You got general Leonard Hamilton.
4: You know, Leonard Hamilton. He's that's, that's a know. coach you shouldn't, you know, get away with stuff like you that. You don't would think that
5: wouldn't happen. There's no doubt. Uh,
4: bizarre year there for uh, for the ACC. I've, you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of uh, betters have started to pile in those futures tickets on Miami. A lot of liability, not you know, around the country. I've heard uh, Thomas at least on the Miami Hurricanes could be a very popular team come March. But a lot of big games on the card this weekend. We appreciate as always the time, and you can catch the rest of uh, Thomas. Fix on our website for Beeson Pro subscribers so go to uh, Beeson.com for all those great to catch up with you Thomas uh, we appreciate it as always alright thank you guys we still thanks, have one more G. segment uh, yeah thanks DG we have one more segment to go here on the Lombardi line we'll talk some potential cap casualties in the NFL what will happen with Ezekiel Elliott we get Michael's take to close out the show BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back for the final time on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Been great hanging out with you, uh, Michael, here on a Saturday morning. Big thanks to our producer, Elliot Bauman, behind the glass, uh, Jeremy Wengel, our technical director, as well as uh, Ryan Hunter, JB, John Brown in the house today, as well as Andre Pariso, all helping out uh, here at Circa. And you know, the, as much as the early wake-up call was tough today, Michael, I got to watch some, some live uh, Bundesliga soccer in studio there not something go. i normally get to do <laughs> so you know there were
5: some there were some pros there i don't just even like know where to find up. that league where do you where do what channel is that on that like, would, i don't even that know what would be, that would be
4: that would be the digital that would be espn plus so you got to you know I you got gotta it. figure okay, out your streaming and that that's but at good. Circa, you don't have to worry about that you just you know they've got they've got it all taken care of for you so that that's what's nice uh, here in las vegas they will have a big uh, march madness setup as well in a couple weeks. So, uh, you're, and you're, uh, I mean, you were just out here, Michael for the super bowl, but uh, you're, you're coming out uh, again soon. Is that right?
5: Did I hear that right? I'm going to be out there for six weeks. Yeah. I'm going to start there about the middle. of I mean, unfortunately for stormy and, and Femi and I, I'm, I'm going on my vacation at the, at the start of March. So I kind of started, sh- started, start with a new pro new host. And then next thing you know, I'm taking some time off, but I'm going to go take some time off in March. Uh, and then, uh, Come back, but I'll be out in Vegas for six weeks and oh. go through the draft out there. So it'll be good. Really, that'll, go, that'll be have to go to work. I have to literally go to the circuit every day and go to work, and and uh, that'll be a, that'll be a strange occurrence. It for is me strange. so I just come in my office building here.
4: Yeah, they, there's worse places to just you know go to work and do a commute than to uh, to circuit. I got to figure uh, out
5: how downtown. to park down there. Yeah, you know? well, I mean all that stuff. Figure, we'll figure it out.
4: Yeah, I'm sure you could we could make it make it work. Uh, yeah, and you have to take some time off sometime a bit at some point as well. So you're doing that uh, there in early uh, early March. Again, we launched uh, the the technical new lineup, but it will be Stormy Bon Tony, Femi Abebafe, Femi and Michael, that you guys already worked together on the GM shuffle. Uh, yeah, we'll do so that, excited, and, and Stormy
5: uh, and I will get one show in here on yeah. Monday, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll figure it all out. Because Stormy's yeah. a busy girl now. She's got that XFL. She's got a lot of things going on, Stormy, too. So, uh, and she's going to get married there at the circus. So yep. there's a lot of stuff happening here at Visa. Storm,
4: Stormy working uh, sidelines yeah. today for the D.C. Defenders Vegas Vipers uh, XFL game. So uh, keep, good, keep it out for that for her. later today. As we wrap up the show, so talking talking football not necessarily XFL but we we go back to the NFL where there are more and more candidates for potential cap casualties it, there's some uh, some big names that uh, that go on throughout the league and you wonder all right based on the cap hit will they would they be put off the books but probably the most polarizing name of anybody Michael it's the running back for the Dallas Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott where you have this this two-headed approach for the Cowboys have gotten so much production out of Tony Pollard everybody in, in Big D has an opinion on whether it should be Elliott back with the team or or gone. How do you see it playing out, and, and how would you look at Elliott heading into this year?
5: Well, I mean, look, the guy scored 22 touchdowns in the last two years. Now, he's only 27. He's going to be 28. But he looks older, the way he runs. It looks like what had happened to his legs, right? You know, you go back to when he was an 18, you know, when he gained 1,400 yards or actually what I've been screaming for, one of the reasons Joystick – uh uh, Kellen Moore who's now at the Chargers you know one of the complaints I've always had with him is he never got him involved you know in the passing game like Scott Let like uh, the former coordinator did you know and so you know his rookie year in the league he averaged he had 32 catches he averaged 11.3 a catch second year in the league he averaged 10.3 and since then he's gone downhill I mean he could be a weapon in the passing game now I just worry about his 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 burst his acceleration one of the things you really want to look at as a running back is what runs do they run, right? I mean, you know, it's a little bit like you can't play everything. So Pollard makes you defend the width of the field and the length of the field. He can get the corner and he can run with power inside. You know, I saw a, I saw a, a free agent listing of the top running backs on 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 a website, and they had Pollard at level two. Let me say this to you: if somebody if Saquon Barkley was traded was offered for for tony pollard the cowboys would say no like there is no back in this free agent poll right now miles sanders none of them that is better than tony pollard trust me Mm -hmm. none of them like tony pollard's in a separate level and then everybody else is at another level saquon all those guys because pollard is a weapon he controls josh jacobs weapon pollard and jacobs similar Jacobs runs with a little bit more power. But Jacobs can do things in the passing game too and get that average up to nine yards. The problem with Zeke when he's in the game is we know he's running in between the tackles. He's good in protection, and he's a good leader. So he's got that going for him. But he's got this ridiculous contract that Jerry has to put on his salesman's hat and basically convince the kid to take a lot less money and do it with incentives. Because the one-two punch of Pollard and Elliott is good, but if you make Jerry have to make a decision, if you make the Cowboys have to choose between Pollard or Zeke, I don't think that's close.
4: I don't know how it's close. It's the money that is right now the big the big talking point on Elliott, who is at a sixteen and a half million, a little bit greater than that a number for for the cap for this coming year. Dead cap would be nearly twelve million. But it was a year first for Elliott, but not to the good. First year under. 900 rushing yards in his career first year under four yards a carry first year under I mean under 25 receptions He only had 17 catches for 92 yards so th- that's where you look at it and you go all right well now you have Kellen Moore out as the offensive coordinator he goes to the Chargers how would Mike McCarthy who is now back to calling plays for the first time since his final year in Green Bay in 2018. How does Mike McCarthy want to utilize Elliott, and, and is it any different than, than what we saw last year, given how explosive and dynamic Pollard is in multiple areas?
5: Well, I think you got to keep using the way Pollard always is because he's a weapon because when he's on the field, you can change per- personnel groupings without substituting. So if he and Elliott are on the field at the same time, they can function. And he can go be the third receiver. He can go be in the slot. He can go then. You can get the 10 personnel. Because if you take Dalton Shorts, who's a free agent, you extend him out. Now you basically have four receivers on the field. And now you get to pick your matchup. Do you have four corners that can cover those guys? you got to need a corner to cover Pollard, right? So you can still run the ball. you got to have to have some kind of box in there because Elliott can at least run it. So, you know... It gives you that versatility that you need. Now, he's due to make almost $11 million in paragraph five. Jerry's got to make a decision. Does he want to pay him the $11 million and just guarantee that and lower his cap number? Or is he going to take a hard stand and say, look, you're not worth the $11 million this year, right? I'm not going to pay you that. You're going to have to take $5 million. And there lies the fight. There right. lies the fight.
4: And how much does that change when you consider where the projected number is to be for Dallas projected to be in the red going to be some tough decisions and they're they're going to have to, they're going to have to make that call on somebody. Uh, It's just a matter of do you go for do you go for a position that is viewed in a lot of circles as having less and less importance, especially when you already have such a dynamic guy already at the top of your depth chart there.
5: Well, I mean, but I think he's such a weapon. I mean, if you're the Cowboys, you're gonna to have to re-sign Parsons to an extension. What are you gonna do with Trayvon Diggs? Are you gonna do him to an extension? I mean, Gallup's making 11 million. Are you gonna keep him at 11 million? There's some fudge room here that you can move maneuver around. You you can do that. And the Cowboys have done a really good job of being able to draft players. I think Will Lewis does a great job. Their personnel department there—they find young talent. They really do. I mean, yeah. Pollard's a, what a third-round pick. I mean, that's a hell of a pick for them. So, Tyron Smith's due to make 13000000 million. You're bringing him back to play left tackle, knowing he's going to get hurt? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's another guy big. you got to talk about.
4: I, when I, we talked earlier in the show, and we'll have a couple more tomorrow, on the most critical off-seasons that you have. But you can make a case every team has critical off-seasons in the NFL. And I'd look at the Cowboys' offensive line that, uh, that struggled to stay fully healthy, most, mostly because of an aging left tackle. And Tyron Smith, who's failed to put together a, a full regular season in years, uh, what do you do there with how with how sh- much of a struggle it was for a quarterback in Dak Prescott once that line started to crater a little bit?
5: Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, I I look for them to draft offensive linemen. I really think they'll do that. I think they'll really get back it, to to that element um, and replenish that line. Now they changed line coaches, you know, Joe Philbin was there, there they changed line coaches. So I, I think ultimately you'll, you'll see there they'll draft that they can't pay. It's hard to pay for offensive linemen in the open market. It really is.
4: Hey, Joe Philbin and, uh, and you, know, you have Mike McCarthy Philbin reunited last, you know, last time, uh, Last time, at least you know they were they were together at least you know in Green Bay and now until recently offensive line coach for Dallas. Yeah, so I mean now, that, that, that's, been that now that's been the change.
5: That's been the change. So you know, I mean that was hard. I mean Mike's used to Mike's used to to having Joe, but Joe was making a lot of money, and I think ultimately that's what happened.
4: Yeah, that's those those two now are no longer uh, no longer together at least uh, you know on the same organization so how will Dallas handle this offseason the, the Elliott question is, is probably first and foremost on, on the mindset of everybody old Jarrah's got some decisions to make there we know that and we'll have a couple more cap casualty potential guys we'll talk about tomorrow on the show because you know, Frank Clark Khalil Mack they're also uh, in that uh, category we can discuss on the Sunday show. We'll also talk uh, two more of Michael's teams that have critical off-seasons ahead that, uh, that top your list. Michael, great to be back with you. As always, Thanks, we'll see babe. you tomorrow Thank on you, the Ellen. show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, as we wrap things up on the Lombardi Line.
6: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
8: If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way Women's Probiotic Pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take. And they support both digestive and vaginal health. All because of the probiotics. There are actually 1 billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com.